With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you today in Jesus' name. And Lord, I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us. Lord, I want to thank you for another opportunity that you've given us all that we can draw closer to you, Lord. That we can just get into your word, your living word. Because these are your words, Lord Jesus Christ. And that we have an understanding of what it takes to walk with you. And that our hope and that our faith must lie only in you and not in this world, Lord Jesus Christ. And that we just, we have an understanding, Lord, of what it's going to take to be with you in these days, Lord, and everything that's coming. So, Lord, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you just, you guide us, Lord, that you direct us, that you lead us, that you open up our hearts, Lord, and our minds, and that we be receptive of your truth that in everything that we do, Lord, it is for the glory and for the honor of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. And I just thank you for everything, Lord. I thank you for everyone who could make it tonight, that you watch over us, Lord. And I, I just pray for all those that couldn't make it tonight, Lord. And the things that everyone's struggling with, that we have an understanding, Lord, that nothing in this life is greater than you. And we must believe in you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all and every situation, Lord. Because you are the only hope that we have in this life. You. you are the only one, Lord, that can give us that peace in the midst of the storm. You are the only one, Lord, that can give us joy when it seems like our world is just crumbling down around us. Because, Lord, you are not our religion. You are not at our. You are not our opinion. You are our Father. You are yes, faithful Lord. Creator. And you are the only one that supplies all and every one of our needs. Thank so just you, be Lord. with us tonight, Lord, and let these words not come from me but come from you and your Holy Ghost living in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. For you are the only one that deserves all the praise, all the glory, and all of the honor, Lord Jesus. Yes, we are going to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We are going to take on the full armor of keep it on as we press forward into the spiritual warfare. Guide us, Lord. Direct us. Lead us into your truths and all truths. Place your shield protection around us, but set us through that furnace of affliction to purge and to burn off the world and the lust thereof, that when we come to the other side, we reflect only you. In yes, Jesus Lord. Christ, your most holy name I pray. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. So tonight's study is called, For All Men Have Not Faith. For All Men Have Not Faith. And let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter 3 to start out. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 1. There you go. Yeah. That's actually a really big help. Is that so, the back of the Bible? 2 Thessalonians. Yeah, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 1. The interesting... I just want to start out with the interesting thing about or the interesting part about this study is some people may ask, well, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you should have faith, right? And, which is true. And many, I don't know, many church people today think that they have that faith that they believe. And, but the question is, is that if we truly 
have faith in Jesus Christ in every situation, then when things come our way, and I can just I can testify this personally from my life, but when things come our way, then we're not going to be bothered by it. We're not going to worry over it. We're not going to stress over it. And but there's always a constant, like Paul said in Romans seven, there's always that constant battle, that war in our members with the flesh, and the flesh is what causes us to worry. The flesh is what causes that like that just cringe in your stomach when you, when you think about, man, I don't have enough of this, or how am I going to pay my rent, or what's the gas money going to come from, and this, that. That is really the flesh trying to say, you know, God's not going to take care of you, and He's not going to supply all and every one of your needs. And I know for myself, it's like if I'm not strong, if I'm not really strong enough in the Lord, then the flesh really will do that to me. It, 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 it will uh, say that... Um, Jesus Christ is not real, and if you, I just think about it too. How some people in this life really think that they believe in Jesus Christ, but their hope is not in Him, and their hope is still in this life and it's still in this world. But it should only be in Jesus Christ. And when we come to the knowledge of that, He really does surround our world. I mean, He really just like consumes us with the Holy Ghost, and it's like no matter what, there is the joy and there is peace and there, there won't be any fear of talking about him to other people because it's like, hey, you know, this is what the Lord commands me to do. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust and believe in him and let what happens, happens. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as... It was with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. So hold where you are, and let's go to Acts 13 and 13. Acts chapter 13 and verse 13. So Acts chapter 13 and verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departing from then returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Poseidon, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue said unto them, sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any words of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up, and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. Now reading this before, I had not recognized that he was saying two different things. He said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. So he was actually speaking to two different people, two groups of people here. Verse 17. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they did dwell as strangers in the land of Egypt and with an high arm brought them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. 
So this also just goes to also showing how long-suffering Jesus Christ is with us and even with his people. It says here that he suffered uh, he suffered their manners in the wilderness because this was a very complaining people. They were never happy when Jesus cried, when, when the Lord did something for them. They were always murmuring. They were always complaining. And that's why they had to go through the wilderness for 40 years because those people that did murmur, those people that did complain had to die off. So the generation that wanted to go into the promised land could be raised up and that he could actually set that with them. But he had to suffer with these people for 40, I mean, we can't suffer with people for 40 minutes when they're complaining and what they're murmuring. And it's just like he had to deal with it for 40 years. With it. I mean, that is that truly is the long-suffering of Jesus Christ because that way the, the people that did have faith could go into the promised land. But the people that didn't have faith, had they had to die off. Verse 19. And when he had destroyed seven nations, seven nations in the land of Cana, Canaan, he divided their land to them by law. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 440, uh, 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And after that, they desired a king. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. Okay, so, as it talks about in the Old Testament, um, you can read up until the book of Kings, but um, the children of Israel were never supposed to have a king. The king is what the heathen, is what the heathen people had, but because they desired to be like them, they said, well, we should have a king. We should have someone rule over us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, God was already ruling over them, and he was already in control, and he was already supplying their every need, and he was already taking care of them. But isn't that just like the people of today? That, you know, God is supposed to rule our lives, but instead of, you know, having him rule our lives, we want someone else in charge of that. We want someone else to take care of that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the the more faith that we have, the less we see, and there's nothing wrong with having a pastor, or there's nothing wrong with having a minister that you can help the body of Christ grow. But then we see that that's not the end-all, be-all. Because what if that pastor decided one day, I don't feel like being a pastor anymore, I'm going to go do this. It's like, what would the people in the congregation do? You know, it's like, does our does our faith in Jesus Christ stand no matter what? Or do we fall by the wayside simply because that person decided their faith wasn't strong? So it's like, this is what these people did because their faith in the Lord was not was not where it was supposed to be at. And they had they had God direct mm -hmm. at that time. You know, they had Moses or they had Abraham, they had Moses, they had all the prophets that went to God direct. And it was just like, that still wasn't enough for them. It's just like, oh my, it's like, really? Um, but that's just how the children are. So ever since the fall of man, that's how it's been. It's like, we always want someone else to do it for us instead of we doing it for the Lord ourselves. Yeah. Amen. Verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up, unto them David to be their king, to whom also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And of this man's seed hath God according to his promise, raised unto him, raised unto Israel as Savior, Jesus. So Jesus Christ came out of the lineage of David. All right, so verse 24. When John had first preached, before his coming, the baptism, repentance to all the people of Israel. 
And as John fulfilled his course, so this is talking about John the Baptist. John had fulfilled his course in, um, you know, he was in the wilderness and then he came back. And he was telling people that, you know, I'm not even worthy to loose his sandals. But I'm, he was there to, to, to prepare the people for Jesus Christ's coming. Mm-hmm. And he did exactly what he was told to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Verse 25. And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which they are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And this is actually true today, is that there are people ignorantly blaspheming God today. I mean, there's people not ignorantly, but there's a lot of ignorant people today blaspheming God. They won't read his word, or if they do read his word, they do it with very little understanding. And the fear is, is that to truly believe in Jesus Christ is a nature change. And a lot of people don't want to change their nature. They don't want to give up the things of the world. They, they don't want to stop drinking. They don't want to stop smoking. They don't want to stop fornicating. They don't want to stop just using drugs or, or, you know, any of that, cursing, whatever you want to call it, they don't want to give it up. And that's where the fear is. I mean, I, I hear it at work. And it, it's just like, you know, why you guys are, you, people want to sit here and say, well, don't judge me. You can't judge me. You know, I'm going to live my life. But what they don't also understand is, is that they're judging God, someone who they don't know, someone whom they've never known, and they're judging God because they don't want to get to know him. They don't want to give up this world. So inherently, when they're saying, don't judge me, they're saying, well, I'm going to judge God. <laughs> I'm going to judge him because, uh, you know, this world is the way it is and, you know, whatever. But it's just like, no, nah, it's everyone needs to have an understanding of it's, you know, uh, it's just that fear of not wanting to come to know him. You know, and it's just that fear of not wanting to change. That's right. Okay, so, uh, let's see here. Okay. Verse 28. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they, Pilate, that they should, that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. That's talking about God the Father. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witness unto the people. Talking about the disciples as well. And it's just interesting how it's like, when people don't want to understand the scriptures and when people don't want to change, they will crucify Jesus Christ again. Not physically, but in our own lives. People will do that. And it says that even in Hebrews. And, but it's like they found no cause. They found no, I mean, and these are the religious people. These were the people that were supposedly keeping the, the law of Moses. Well, they cast it, they, they told other people that they had to do it, but they themselves were not going to do it. And, but they found no cause for death in him. But you know what? 
This was going to happen because Jesus Christ had to die for the sins of the world. They did not take his life. He gave his life for us. He gave his life for the religious people. He gave his life for the ignorant people. I mean, and that is just the love of Jesus Christ. So it's like when people don't have faith in the Lord like we should, it's just pretty much saying that, Lord, you know, what did you die for? You know, because it's like we're claiming to follow him and we're claiming to believe in him. But with some people, it's really, it truly is a facade. And because it's really easy to come to Bible study or it's really easy to go in front of a church group and say, you know what, I love the Lord and I'm on fire for him and I'm going to do his will and everything like that. And people say, yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. You know, I hope you grow. I'm not saying that they're not saying it out of sincerity. But it's easy to be fake around people. It's easy to be fake in Bible study. It's easy to be fake at church because it's expected that, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to come in here and we're going to talk about the Lord and everything. And so it's easy to get some some kind of like, instead of Holy Ghost experience in our life, to even have like a spiritual high. And then that high only lasts for that day. And then Monday through Friday, it's back in the world. And Monday through Friday, it's nothing about Jesus Christ to nobody. You know, Monday through Friday, we're more afraid to speak his name than anything. Why? Because we're not willing to give up the world. And there's that cringe in the flesh to say, oh, if I mention Jesus Christ, I'm going to lose my job. Or I'm gonna, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like when you go into who the real you is. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, what she's saying is everybody can fake it in church. And this is why a lot of people don't like church people. Because, you know, people know who you really are outside of where you are. But it's true that you can, when you go amongst your peers, you can just, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But when it comes down to talking to somebody else in there, then they adopt to who they're with. And that's why the church has lost a lot of respect from people because they can tell there's a lot of hypocrites there, you know, a lot of fake people. It's actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Um because when we go out and we evangelize on Wednesdays, there are some people that won't go to church or they won't come to Bible study because of an, a, a bad religious experience that they've had. And I've even had people tell me that it's like, well, you know, uh, I've gone to church and stuff like that and people just were cold and they didn't want anything to do with me or, you know, they weren't giving or something like that. And and, you know, we just tell them, it's like, well, we're not religious. We don't claim religion. Because religion is one of the things that actually crucified Jesus on the cross. Exactly. And it's it, the religion is still doing that today. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be the religious people that go against the real Christians in this life. Because it's like, if you tell someone, this is what really blows people's mind. You tell them, I'm not religious. And they're like, they yeah. look at you funny like, huh? Yeah. How does that make sense? And then you tell you show them in scripture and stuff and, and stuff like that, and then you let them, you know, decide. But man, there's been people that have had some really bad experiences from so-called church people, and it turns them away from Jesus Christ until they get, you know, someone real saying, "Hey, can I help you out?" And even still, at times they're standoffish until those walls start to break down, until they start to understand. Because they don't introduce people into relationship. They just have them go through all the antics mm-hmm. of church. And, you know, you're not growing or learning one bit. Exactly. So it's about, yeah, relationship. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. All right, uh, verse 31. Oh, verse 32. And we declare unto you the glad tidings, how that the promise which was made 
unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto their unto us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus again. And is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, which meant the physical body that he dwelled in while he was here. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he said, also, he saith also in another psalm, let's see that other psalm is Psalm 16. Uh, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep, it means he died, and was laid unto the fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. So this is talking about after Jesus died and on the third day he was raised up into glory. Or he was raised up and then he was actually here on this earth for many days. And then he was actually taken up into glory. Alright, verse 38. But be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through, this, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. So, verse 39 is really key. Because it, I'm going to read this again. And by him all that believe are justified for all things. So what it is saying here is, is that if we really believe in Jesus Christ and we truly take on his nature and we try and do, well there's no trying, but if we do um, what his commandments are, which is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And in Luke it says with all thy strength. And love thy neighbor as thyself. If we do these things, it's, it's really easy to forgive people. It's really easy not to hold grudges against people. It's really easy to just say, Lord, I'm going to do your will, whatever you call me to do. I will do it. These things just become easier and easier and easier over the course of time. Now, for myself, I got actually saved four years ago. I was raised in church, and I went to Christian school and everything like that. But when I moved out, I got away from church. So I don't, I don't truly believe that I was actually saved when I said I was because when I got on my own, I didn't leave Jesus Christ. I left the church. So, And that's what a lot of people will say today when they have that church experience is they say, well, I left the church. Well, okay, if you walk away from the church, big deal. You know, you can leave a church, go back to a church. You know, it can be a revolving door. But it's like if we really, and I, I, have, to, I have had people tell me that, well, I walked away from Jesus Christ. It kind of gets me to thinking because of what happened to me. It's like, well, did we really know him in the first place? Because to truly know Jesus Christ, it would be really hard to walk away from that experience. Because his mercy is abounding, his love is abounding, his grace is abounding. All these things are abounding upon our lives. But... To me, it just makes me think, it's like, well, maybe we really didn't even know him. You know, there's the idea of Jesus Christ. There's knowing that he's there, but then there's actually like having that intimate relationship with him. It's just like, you know, it just be like uh, you and Christina. It's like you and Christina are married and you have a great relationship. You could not fathom 
walking away from her. Or you could not fathom her walking away from right. you, right? Yeah. And so that is truly the same thing. If we have a, that kind of intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, then it would be like, do I really want to walk away from him? You know, because of everything that he's done for me, do I really, really want to do that? You know, and so it's just, uh, that again, that's what happened to me is like when I got on my own, um, I didn't want anything to do with the church. It wasn't even so much I didn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. I just didn't want anything to do with the church. So, but in the past four years, because of that's when I really started having a relationship with him, that's when he really started working in my life. That, too, was also the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, is that if you read in Romans 8, it says, The carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. Because what it's saying there is that the Lord is going to leave us in a state that he already knows. If he was to take us, if he was to like go against our free will and pull us from that state and place us over here, we wouldn't know what to do. And we'd probably run back to the exact state we were in, and we'd be worse off than where we started from. So that's why when we really get to know the Lord and He changes our life, it is a slow process to, to have certain things come out of us. Yeah. So that way He can put the Holy Spirit in us, and He will stay. If you read in Matthew, what is it, Matthew uh, 13 about the sower, mm-hmm. and how it fell on good ground... But it was the processes of what of who it fell on. Some, uh, they got taken away with the lust of this world. Some, it was on stony ground. Some had more cares of this life. And so when when the persecution came, they didn't you know they didn't know what to do. They're like, oh, you know, well I thought it was all supposed to be, you know, happy go lucky times and everything was supposed to be going great. Everyone knows that when two people are married, there are good times and there are bad times. And that's just, that's just how it is. And so, when we are married to Jesus Christ, He wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. He loves us. He tells us His commandments. It is up to us to follow after Him. But, there is certain persecution for that from the world, because the world doesn't understand. We deal with that on Wednesday night, and even in our own personal life. Man, we were out there for two or three hours talking to people. Majority of the time, people walk by. There is some people that will come and say, yes, I would love prayer, you know, uh, where you have a Bible study, you know, can I talk with you for a while? And they get into it, but the majority of the people walk by. Mm -hmm. But you know what? They cannot say they did not know on that day. They cannot say that they did not know. We still tell them Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. And that's why the Lord works with us slowly because Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of people think you've got to be automatically perfect the moment you start in this, but you're not going to be. You're going to make mistakes. Stuff's going to happen, but that's all a part of, like, growing and getting better with him. Right. Because it's not just a process where, all right, ta-ta, I'm who I'm <laughs> supposed to be. It doesn't work that way, man. I'm still, you know, fighting with things in my life the Lord is, you know, cleaning from me and taking from me. It's mm-hmm. a lifelong process. It is not an overnight, you know, mission. So. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right, verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of by the prophet, in the prophets, behold, ye desirers, and wonders, and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Jews are the religious people, 
the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came, um, came also the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken of by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. So this is another thing too, is, is that when the truth in Jesus Christ is being preached and it doesn't fall on deaf ears and it actually is spoken to where people really want to hear it, the false prophets and the false preachers and those that are just having, you know, they're, they're just giving people, you know, warm, fuzzy messages every Sunday and they're not preaching the truth in Jesus Christ are going to be jealous of that because they know that themselves they don't have the truth in Jesus Christ in them. They have no desire to have the truth in Jesus Christ in them. All they want is for people to come on Sunday. They want them to pay their tithes so that way their paycheck can get fulfilled. And that's all they want. And this has been going on since this time. For thousands of years, this has actually been going on. It's not something new. Um, and so, but when that truth comes out, there's always going to be a cringe in those that say, you know what, they're jealous. Why are they jealous? Because here, these people say, you know what, there's the truth in Paul and Barnabas. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They know what they're talking about. So we want to hear what they have to say so salvation can be in these people. But the religious people don't want people to be saved. They want people to sit down on a pew every Sunday, every Wednesday, or every revival. I know, because that happened to me. And pay the money. Pay the bills. Pay the light. You know, someone's got to have the lights on in these places. That's all that they are concerned about. So when it's like, I'm not saying every church today is bad. There are some, there still are some churches out there preaching the truth in Jesus Christ. But it's not every single church anymore. Every single church is not preaching that anymore. And you just, you have to wonder, it's like, if a church is following Jesus Christ, then how is it that they can skip over certain verses? How is it they can skip over certain uh, things in Scripture saying don't do this and don't do that and they're still doing it anyways? It has to make you question. Is like if this is really a church of Jesus Christ, why are you going against His Word? Why are you trying to Christianize things where it clearly says don't do? And God's not going to take that lightly. He's not going to take lightly anything in our life where He says don't do it and we do it anyways. He's not taking that lightly. And that's why it's like when he started cleaning my life up and I knew I was still doing things that I shouldn't have, when the, when the truth really like sunk into me and I realized, hey, you know what, this is going to be counted against me when I stand before him. And that's when I started having more of a fear and more of an understanding that this is very, very real in everything that I say. Am I perfect? No. Are there still things that I, that I think that I shouldn't? Yes. Are there still things that I say? I mean, I don't curse. But it's like just having that seriousness about how great the salvation is for other people. It really starts to get me. Everything that I say is going to be counted towards me when I stand before Jesus Christ that day. So it just really is something to think about. All right. Um, where am I? <laughs> uh, I think... Uh, 
Oh, over here. Long side. Okay, and so, uh, verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It is necessary that the word of God should be first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you, talking about the religious people, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn unto the Gentiles. This is another thing, this is another key thing too about the religious people uh, not wanting salvation. Um, and I, I've spoken to many religious people in my life, and there's always the idea of Jesus Christ when people say they get saved. But then it's like when it comes to living it in an everyday life, that's something totally different. It's almost as if because they don't, and it's true, there is no works to be saved. We believe in Jesus Christ. And if we truly believe in him, again, I'm going to say we want that nature to be changed. And it is, it is a process. But then we understand, too, where it says uh, a good tree bringeth forth good fruit. Then it's not so much a work as it is this is the lifestyle that I live now. And I want to tell people about that lifestyle. Y'all know my story. I was an alcoholic. I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to curse. You know, stuff like that. And the Lord took it all from me. So I know it is possible through Him that these things can happen. And, and I've also seen people who've been delivered from things that they don't, want, it, it, they don't want anybody to know what they dealt with. And that's on them. But it's just like, well, what were you saved from? I mean, you weren't just saved and poof automatically, you know, nothing ever happened to you in your life. It's just using these situations to help people to understand that, hey, this is what I went through. And the Lord can deliver you from it too. But some people, they even though they want eternal life, they don't think it's capable for them to have eternal life. And I think this is also why, like he was, like Derek was saying earlier, the church has lost a lot of or lost a lot of respect because this kind of gospel is not being preached anymore. The gospel of eternal life, the gospel of what it takes to walk with Jesus, the gospel of what true love is. In the gospel of faith and hope, none of that's being preached anymore. And it's all about just, oh, you know, love your neighbor. But if we love our neighbor, then we're going to do for that person. We're going to help them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to be there for them. And we're going to tell them about the truth. And that's the real love for our neighbor. Okay, um, verse 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have said these to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So, it's really hard to get a religious person to understand their salvation. Everyone needs salvation. But if someone, it's just like you take someone who was never raised in a church that's just out there, they know that they need to change. They just need to know how they need to change. And if you take a religious person that thinks that they're saved and you're just trying to say, hey, you know, this is what the scripture says, it's more likely that you're going to get condemned by the Christian person over what the Bible says than over the Gentile or over the unsaved person that has no idea what the Bible says. They've never even heard of Jesus Christ and you tell them, it's like, well, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is the hope of the world. And he's the one that can save you out of all of this. Let me tell you about my testimony and what he did for me. 
you're more likely going to be received by that unsaved person than by the religious person because the religious person already thinks that they're saved because they someone told them that they were. But salvation is only when we truly invite Jesus Christ into our life and we want to be changed. So this is why this is saying here is that they were excited that it was like, okay, you know, we actually can be saved. You know, we're, we're not going to be uh, just left out like, you know, the religious people probably told them, you know, go away, get away. You know, you can never be saved. Salvation is only for us. And here, Paul and Barnes become tell, are coming to tell them, it's like, no, this side of salvation is for you as well. All right, so um, verse 49. And the word of the Lord was published through all, all the regions. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised the persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of, of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So even though the religious people kicked them out of their coast, they found a way to do so. It was the fact that many of the Gentiles were saved prior to that happening. And I know that this is, can be the Lord's will that if we have faith in him and we're at a job, if we speak the truth in Jesus Christ, if the Lord does allow us to be taken away from that job for whatever reason, that his will be done. I'm not saying he's going to do this, but if he does this, it's only going to be because those people there at that job who needed salvation got talked to first. And that he's going to move us on to something else and even something better. And um, But this is what happened here is that they preached the truth in Jesus Christ. And the reason why they shook off the dust was because it's like, man, we told you the truth. What you do with it now is up to you. But they were not going to be account held accountable. These people's blood would not be on their hands because they preached Jesus Christ. All right, so we can go back to 2 Thessalonians 3. Get <clears throat> water here, where we're going to this. And we'll go to verse 3. All right, 2 Thessalonians 3, and we'll start at verse 3. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we have commanded you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience waiting for Jesus Christ. So verse 5 is actually big too because when we talk about the love of God, when it says here that the Lord will the, that and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, the love of God is, you know, helping those that are without, and it's also seeking His will in everything. Like you know, uh, if we see homeless people or we see people out there who are just, you know, they're looking for that their lives be changed. And it's just having the heart after him to say, you know what, I can help you and I can tell you how your life can be changed and I can tell you that it's Jesus Christ and I can show you in his word the true love. But as Derek has brought up before, it's like if we really love people, then how is it that we can pass people every day and not talk to them about Jesus Christ? And it's like that's something that the Lord's really been talking to me about lately more and more is that 
You know, if I have family members that are unsaved, or if I have friends that are unsaved, or if I just know people that I pass by all the time, it's like, it's no coincidence that this person keeps coming by me at the same time every day. It's like, all right, Lord. And that, that, actually did, that actually did happen to me. It was like our second week, I think, or first or second week of evangelizing, uh, there was this one guy that I was talking to. And it, I kid you not, no matter where I went, he was there. If I went to Winco, he was there. If I went to Fred Meyer, he was there. And it's just like, he bugged my phone when I wasn't looking. It's like, how is it that he's here at the exact same time I'm at? And it's just like, I had to pray about it. It's like, all right, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? And eventually he would come to Bible study for a while. And, um, but it's just like, that's, we really just have to seek the Lord on those things. Because it's like, if we're seeing the same people all the time, out in the streets or at a supermarket or you know, Starbucks, McDonald's, wherever. It's like, let's pray, Lord, do you really want me to talk to this person? And you really want me to invite them to Bible study that they may come to know you or have a greater relationship with you? As I just ask and seek the Lord over these things. Oh, yeah, that, um, like that oh, happened with me, and uh, um, there was a pimp in that area that everybody oh, yeah. knew was one. I don't know, did you tell them that when I read it? No. But, yeah, everywhere I went, I saw this guy. And I saw one day he was treating one of his girls real bad. And, I mean, it was to a point where I'm like, this mess is going to have to stop. You know, I'm going to step in and say whatever. So one day I saw him by himself, and I walked over to him, and we were just talking. And he was like, hey, um, you know, I was like, hey, do you need prayer or anything, man? And you could tell he was kind of, like, nervous. Like, you know, he was looking around, seeing if anybody saw him. He was like, yeah, I always need prayer, you know, whatever. But now... This guy and I talk all the time, and he's, he comes to us for prayer and wants to get his life together. So I'm thinking about inviting him in like a week or so, you know, to get him to come down. But, yeah, his life is turning with a lot of different things, mm -hmm. man. So everybody needs the gospel, no matter where you go. Amen. That's yes. right. Absolutely. Okay, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, disorderly, and not after the tradition which, and not, and not after the tradition which ye received of us. All right. So hold where you are, and we're going to go to Romans sixteen and seventeen. Romans 16 and 17. All right. Now I, be, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause the vision and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So, it's interesting that uh, it says this here, and I know we've gone over it before, but let's just say you're in a church setting or you're in a Bible study setting or whatever, and you've got people that come, and over the course of time, everything's going great. Everyone seems to like they're believing the same. And then all of a sudden, you talk about a particular subject that actually just pricks the flesh of that person. Or 
they may start to say things here and there that sounds like it could be scripture, but it may not be exactly accurate. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, maybe that's their lack of understanding, and you know they'll get it right. But then over the course of time, things start to get worse. You really start to see that person's true nature about how it's like, man, they don't, they don't really want it at all. And on the side, they're saying stuff. On the side, they're saying, well, you know that this ministers of uh, you know so and so and so and so. And I hear tell that he's been doing other things that he shouldn't. That's causing discourse. That's causing division amongst the ministry or amongst the church because those things should never be said. Regardless of what somebody's doing, if they're not openly going to be rebuked and say, hey, you know what, this is how you're living, you need to repent, get your life right with Jesus Christ, and get back with him. But all the, the talk on the side and all the gossiping and all that, that's really what causes division. Or if people are saying, or if we're in here saying, you know what, let's be soldiers for Jesus Christ. Let's get out there. Let's minister. Let's do all these things. And someone comes in and says, like you said before, it don't take all that. And let's just sit back. Let's relax. Let's have fun. Let's bring cookies and chips and soda and whatever. Let's have a party. It's like, no, it's not a party. This is a spiritual warfare that we're in. And we see it all the time. But those kind of things, you pick up on the most minute little details of people the closer you get with the Lord you start questioning first of all internally we start questioning am I living right for Jesus Christ but then also at the same time you can pick up on what other people are doing it's like I know it was what they said was nice but something just seemed a little off about what they said or their demeanor or everything mm-hmm. like that you like just the start more spiritual talk we start getting into you see like people peel back they uh-huh. start get, trying to get you back into the flesh, you know, and, and everything else, yeah. That's right, that's true, that's very it's true. it's like, if you have no intention of going forward, don't try and push other people not to, you know, if you want to drop out of this, go ahead, mm-hmm. but don't, but what you'll find in many cases, like Sarah's talking about, people will get on the phone and call people, see, that's why I don't go there anymore, and it's, it's like, hey man, if you don't want it, don't come. You know, but stop trying to be behind the scenes getting other people to try and follow you. Mm-hmm. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing. You know, so it's true. And I've seen that before as a teenager. Uh, and I'm just speaking about my experience as a young kid. But as a teenager, the the church I was going to at the time, I'm trying to think. I think they had to change the sign or something like that. Or they had to change the name of the church. And people left over a name change. People left over uh, the free will doctrine because they wanted to preach free will because we are all given free will. People left over preaching that. And it's just like, seriously, you're going to change? You're going to leave over a name change on a building? It's, it's, a, it's a name. It went from this name to this name. What's the big deal? And don't you know that the majority of the people that left have been had, were the ones that were there 40 and 50 years, 30, 40, and 50 years? That because they were offended over that. And it's like, I'm 16, I'm like, why y'all leaving? It's just a name. But, you know, that's just how some people are when they came to the free will doctrine. Some people left over that because they didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to believe that they had a choice to believe in Jesus Christ as we are all given. You know? All right, verse 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So, all right, um... All right, let's go to Philippians 13 and 13. We're done in Romans. Let's go to Philippians 13 and 13. What's right next to us after Corinthians? Ephesians. Ephesians, yeah. All right, 
Philippians 13 and verse 13. Wait, Philippians is not third. I'm sorry, 3. Yeah, I was going to say, Philippians don't go into 13. Um, Philippians 3 and 13, sorry. Philippians 3 and 13. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. You know, key verse about this is that when we come to know Jesus Christ, obviously the devil is going to try and do everything in his power to keep us from really knowing Jesus Christ. And he will put every stumbling block, well, remember you used to do this, and remember you used to do that, and remember this person over here, and oh yeah, you didn't forgive this person here. He's going to do everything. If there's a potential in Jesus Christ, don't think he's not going to come and visit that person and say you can't do it, or he's going to try and lean up on that person or something. You're right, because it's like even for all the people we minister to, you see things start to happen to them. It's mm-hmm. like right after that, I mean, a person could be saying, well, I'm going to be there next week, and the devil will make the sky fall in if that's what it takes. <laughs> it it's true. Coming. It's like you have to have a will to go beyond no matter what, because trouble is going to come your way. There's no coincidences in this. That's right. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that, because it's just like, I know right before we were talking about the very first conference, and, you know, we had gotten prepared, and we'd done everything, and we got in a slideshow and invited people and don't you know that while the entire time I'm sitting there and he's talking, the devil was trying to tell me, you're not a public speaker. You're going to look stupid if you get up there. Remember, you stutter when you speak. Remember, you can't do this and you can't do that. And the whole time he was beating me up. Because I'm not, I, I'll tell you, I'm not a public speaker. When I was in high school, when I was in, you know, when I was in college, I detested getting up in front of people. Why? Because I was just regurgitating the information that was already written in a book you know and this is not that this is the Holy Ghost living in us because it's not my words it's not his words this is the Holy Spirit that's talking and so on the first conference when the devil was telling me that it was like you know what even if I'm not a public speaker and even if I do look like a buffoon when I get up there you know the Lord's done too much for me to turn back now and that's how we have to deal with it. Every time that the devil brings up a former situation, rebuke it out as quickly as we possibly can and move forward in Jesus Christ. That's what this is talking about here. Verse 14. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Let as therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us. Sorry. Mark them which walk so as ye have us from for an example, for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you before, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So there are going to be people in this walk 
that start out with us saying, you know what, I want to come to know Jesus Christ too. This is what they say. And it may seem sincere at the time. You know, we, we've run in, I've run into people like this. And then all of a sudden, a year later down the road, they're not there anymore. And it's just like, well, what happened? You know, where'd you go? Why'd you get off track? And it's because they're enemies. Their true nature is that they, inside of them, are enemies of the cross of Christ. There's something inside of them that doesn't want to change. There's something inside of them that they cannot let go, that they would rather do this than follow Jesus Christ. And people... Are you want to say something? Yeah, I'll wait for you to finish. Oh, okay. But. And some people today don't believe that Jesus Christ could call them off their job, and this is growing in grace. This is said every Bible study, so I'm going to say it too. It is growing in grace of Jesus Christ that the closer we get to Him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let your will be done in my life at all and every cost. Go ahead. I was going to say, everybody is like a certain type of life type. Mm -hmm. And the reason why Jesus wants to change our nature is so that we may be like him. I mean, it's just like when you first start out in the world, you can be going to the club and you're picking up girls and all that, you know. And then once you meet that girl, you stop going to the club. You know, you're out because now you think you found something. Right. That relationship splits up. There you are, like Martin Lawrence said, back in the club looking for <laughs> yeah. somebody. So the thing is, is like, you know, people will revert back to what they know. Mm -hmm. So the more we know in Jesus, the less we'll go backwards. You know, we'll keep going forward. Exactly. It's true. And that's why also it's like when we have this walk in Jesus Christ, it, it we want people to come to know him. But if they don't or if people fall away, we know that in every situation, if it's true and it's personal to us, that we can continue to go forward in Him no matter what. Because we know ultimately, the ultimate goal is being like Jesus Christ and having Him completely formed in our lives. So that way, I know that some people today, they believe that what the disciples did and how they healed people in the name of Jesus and raised people from the dead, they think, well, that was the Old Testament. That was back then. That don't happen anymore. First of all, it says in the Bible, in His Word, that when he that is perfect shall return. Okay, that's his second returning. Right. His second and only returning. Well, not only, but that will be the time that he comes. Mm -hmm. So when he comes, those things won't be necessary anymore because then that's when he's going to bring his people unto him. Mm -hmm. You know? But it's like that time hasn't come yet. So why is it that people have begun to think that these things can't happen anymore? Because the devil got found his way into the church. The devil found his way behind the pulpit to say, just relax, don't worry about it anymore. Just say you believe in Jesus Christ and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. Well, if the disciples barely got in by the skin of their teeth, what do you think is going to happen for us if we're not doing everything? We have to be saved according to his word. That's what real salvation is. If Paul accounted everything that he went through as a light affliction, and this man went through some stuff, you can read, I, think, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 11, um, but he went through that. If you read all the afflictions that he went through, and he said it was a light affliction, but he counted it all joy. The disciples, whenever they were persecuted, not just the 12, but all the disciples, when they got persecuted, they were happy. Why? Because they said, man, now we're like you. Now we're like Jesus Christ. They knew what they signed up for. But today when people say, I'm a Christian, why do you even want to call yourself a Christian? You know, you're not willing to go through any kind of you know, they get a hangnail and they're upset. They're not willing to go through anything in this life. Persecution isn't fun. 
But it's to endure. Why? Because that's just, it shows how much we believe in Jesus Christ. Because look at all he suffered. Look at every, if you read Isaiah 53, look at everything that he went through to suffer for us. He didn't lift one finger. And he mm-hmm. suffered for us. He took a, he volunteered to take on our shame, to take on our suffering. He came down here in this flesh that we're born into. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that is love. That is the truest form of love when we can sacrifice everything for him because he sacrificed everything for us. It's just like having a baby, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, man, you, yeah. no one would have to tell y'all that the baby comes first. You know, if you only had enough food in the house for the baby, I mean, that's who eats for the night. You wouldn't even think about it because your love is right. Exactly. And that's how he wants us to be towards other people, selfless, totally selfless. That's right. Yeah. All right, verse 20. Yep. For our conversation is in heaven, from whom, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So if we really believe in Jesus Christ and we walk with him, when we get to heaven, just like the vision that that guy had, talked about how he matured into a glorified body as he was getting into heaven. He's like, you see the arm was getting bigger and the leg was getting, he's like, his soul was even changing. And so he's like, he was changing into a glorified body. This is the hope that we look for because this body here can lose hair. This body here can have bad breath. This body here can get diseases in it. You can get sickness in it. You can break your leg or your toes be all crooked and everything. And so it's just like this body can stink if, we're, if we don't take a shower. And it's like, why would we want to have this nasty old raggy thing in heaven? Why not want to have a beautiful glorified body that's going to never die? That's never going to, we're going to have, you know, just, it's going to be just like Jesus Christ. No, Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ, but that's what he wants to give to us when we get to heaven. But it's going to take giving up this evil world. This is an evil world. You know, you can't even go down to the gas pump. It's three. It's over $3 to get gas, a tank of gas, or whatever. It's over, it's over $3. Huh? It's expensive. It's expensive. Yeah, the cheapest one is three nineteen. But it's like you, you get more taxes on your paycheck than you actually get a paycheck. You know, you have to almost work yourself to the bone to get by these days. And people say, oh, this is such a great world. In what universe? You know, it's like an apartment these days is so expensive. You've got to have two or three jobs just to live, to supply for your family. It's like, how can people call that good? Why don't you know, they just when give? they put things on sale, I mean, wherever you go. <laughs> yeah. That before that, they hike the price of the clothing or, or gas or whatever way up. Mm-hmm. And then they bring it back to the normal price mm-hmm. to make you think it's on sale. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Exactly. Ooh. All right, let's go to First Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse 1. All right, First Thessalonians 4 and 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how we ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. 
For ye know what commandment we have, we gave you by the Lord Jesus. You already know what those commandments are. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and with all thy might, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, as we know, that's physical and spiritual. There are many people today, and if we're not even careful in our own lives, if I'm not careful in my own life, we can cause spiritual fornication on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Too many, too much TV, going to the movies, going to a game, going to see friends, when we sp- should be spending time with the Lord. And he's calling us saying, hey, I want you to go home and I want you to get into the scripture tonight. I got something for you. I got something great. You're going to love it. It's going to change your life. And what do we do? Lord, uh... My friend Joey called me up and he wants to he wants me to go hang out with him tonight. What's the Lord do? Go hang out with your friend Joey then, you know. Do whatever you want to do. And but the Lord had something for us that would really gonna like help us with a situation we'd been praying about, saying, Lord help me, Lord help me. He's gonna give us the help, but we'd rather go hang out with somebody else and do something else that's not gonna benefit our salvation one bit, or help us to get into the kingdom of heaven. So that's that spiritual fornication. Verse 4. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. That is a clean vessel before the Lord. And it's interesting today how it's like, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, I tell you, that is a strong woman in the Lord. Because she doesn't need validation from anybody. She knows how to keep the home. And she's strong. And she doesn't have to go out and talk bad about her husband or her kids or be loud and everything like that. And just because somebody's loud doesn't mean that they're secure in themselves. Most of the time they're very insecure when somebody is that loud because they need that attention. And it can be very annoying. But it's just that's the cry of saying, I'm insecure. And that person needs Jesus Christ too. But you don't have to be loud and proud if you are secure in the Lord. You don't have to be that way because you know that He's your Father and you can listen to a situation and you can discern what's being said. And if the Lord tells you to say something, you say it. But if He says, be quiet, I'm going to handle this, then you be quiet and let Him handle it. You know? And it's just, it is having that. And it's also wanting to be sanctified in the Lord because sanctification is a whole nother level in our salvation. It is something that we all do strive for. As, be, as being saved because the disciples were sanctified and when they were sanctified they were on fire they were out they went into every single city sometimes they went back two or three times to that city to make sure you know but that is what's really being sanctified alright verse 5 not in the lust of concupiscence even as even as the Gentiles which know not God that no man going beyond and defraud his brother in any manner because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. So when God calls us, he's taking us out of those things in our lives. He's, he's, he's taking away the, the, just the filthiness that's within us. He's going to take all of that away from us. And he's going to call us unto holiness. And... He's going to call us away from those things that are killing us. You know, back when I was an alcoholic, man, I thought I was having so much fun drinking Red Bull and vodka every night. 
and everything else that I could get my hands on. And I thought, man, this is the life to live, not realizing I was killing my body. And I was killing the brain cells too. I mean, I had—I tell you, I had very—I had a very bad memory when I was an alcoholic. And when that came, when the Lord started cleaning me up from that, and He took it away from me, the memory started coming back. It was like bits and pieces, but then they started coming back in whole. You know, and so that's what He does for us. He will clean those things out of our lives, so that way we can be holy as He is holy. Verse eight. He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God. That is a mouthful. Because when we're out there witnessing, and we're telling people about Jesus Christ, we can't get offended that someone won't receive Him. Why? They're not coming against us. They're coming against Jesus Christ being in us. They don't despise you. They don't despise me. They despise God. All right. Who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit? But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are at which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So just because you have brotherly love, just because these things are changing, just because those people got witness to, guess what? Continue to go out. Continue to do. Don't ever, ever think. We should never think that we've ever done enough. We should never think, well, I witnessed to this person, so I've done enough for the day. That's just like saying, to on, going to your to-do list, yep, I got that done. So I can now just sit back and relax. It's never a to-do list with Jesus Christ. There's always more people to talk to. All right. Verse 11. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work out your and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. So here it's just like um let me read eleven again, that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your hand and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. So if we are doing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we don't have time to think about what other people are doing. And it's not to say out of concern, but it's out of like was mentioned earlier, not gossiping about people and not just saying, you know, I wonder what they're doing over here. And it's just like, you won't have time for any of that because you'll understand the salvation of others is so much greater. All right, so let's go back to Second Thessalonians 3. And verse 7. We're going to finish off this chapter. Alright, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 7. And yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we have behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. But wrought with, but wrought with labor and travail day and night that we might be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. So what Paul is saying here is, is that if we're in a ministry or we're in a Bible study or whatever it is, that if we all believe the same in Jesus Christ, we should all have that example of him in our lives, and we should be able to teach others how they should live. And it's going to say also here, not being busybodies in other men's affairs, but or be busybodies. 
But it's, it's constantly an example. It's constantly an example of Jesus Christ. It's constantly how, you know, if someone comes in that's new, that doesn't know him, he should be able to look at everyone in the group and say, these people really have Jesus Christ in their lives. They, they shouldn't be able to say, well, this person has it and this person don't have it. It should all be the same in the Lord. And that's how we should all live. All right, verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk, which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort you by the Lord, Je- by the Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work, and to eat their own bread. But ye, brother, be not weary in well-doing. So, if we're talking to people, and there are some people that do this, then if our own salvation is in the Lord, we can't get weary in what someone else is doing or what they are not doing. Because especially if they come to a setting such as this, and they hear the truth, yet they decide to do whatever they're going to do anyways, my salvation still has to be first and foremost in Jesus Christ. They know what the truth is. They've heard it for such a long period of time. Can't get concerned or worried about what that person is doing. That is between them and the Lord. Verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this apostle, note that man and have no company with him, that he might be ashamed. You don't want to get your own salvation caught down by what somebody else is not doing. So it's like if you understand that they're not wanting to go the same direction, it's not saying that you don't love them, but if the Lord's telling you to go over here, guess what? You've got to do the Lord's will first because there are other people that need salvation. Verse 15, Yet count them not as an enemy, but admonish them as a brother. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by, the, by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand which is the token in every apostle. So I write, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. All right, so from here let's go to Psalm 101 and verse 8. Psalm 101 and verse 1. I will sing of the mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within mine house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. So, when we really get saved with the Lord, I mean, this is truly what we want to do. We don't want anything wicked thing before us. We don't want to watch any wicked movies. We don't want to hear any bad conversations. We don't want any of this because we want to be cleaned out. Why? Because this was already part of our lifestyle before. 
And when we really get saved, we want all of that gone. We just want to be washed. We want to be cleansed. Now, it is a continuous cleansing process because the former things of, the, of this life, like the flesh, will try and come back up on a person. And if we're not careful, we can be overtaken by it. I know because that has happened to me. There have been times in the past four years I've gotten comfortable. I've put on some movies I shouldn't have watched or I've watched, you know, a TV series and I spent eight hours watching it. That's all I did was watch that TV series. And then I tried to pray before I went to bed and it was just like, oh boy, <laughs> this is not going to be fun, <laughs> you know. So, but that's just it. It's just like, it's truly how it's like that born again process. It's like one of the cleansiest times we can get in our life because we really just want the truth in us. And we got to constantly have that process in our lives. Uh, verse 4, A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him, hath, him that hath a high look and a proud heart will I not suffer. And why is this? Because it says here, who privately slandereth his neighbor. That doesn't sound like love, the, love thy neighbor as thyself right here. It sounds like someone who's going against that, someone slandering his neighbor, someone talking about this person and just saying whatever about them. We don't want to get caught up in those kind of conversations. We don't want to get caught up in rumors and we don't want to get caught up in all that because it speaks to the flesh and not to our spirit. You know, Jesus Christ never did this when he was here. He would never do that. And we are to have that same nature that we don't do that. Why? Because think about it, if we get caught up in this kind of conversation talking bad about people, how are we going to talk to them about Jesus Christ later on? Because then they already have an idea, well, I can't talk to you now because you already said some bad things about me, so why would they want to get saved? You know, if we're supposed to be living after Jesus Christ, why would that person want to live like us when we're living no different than they are? You know? And a proud heart... And a proud heart can't be filled with anything because they're so proud they know everything. And they will not help anybody. When it says, I will not know a wicked person, do they mean I won't support? Or do they mean I won't like stand by? Like, yeah, because it's like if you know that person, well, there's no and then there's no. Like, I know you, and then there's like that intimacy kind of no. Mm -hmm. And that can even be in like a friendship or, or a relationship with somebody. Mm -hmm. And if you have that wickedness, if we have that wickedness around us, it's like a cancer, and it will affect our own lives. Yeah, when it says, I won't know a wicked person, yeah, it's kind of like to remain in their company, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. spend time with them and commune with them. If you're trying to win them to the Lord, that's one thing, you know, mm -hmm. but other than that, we are the company we keep. I right. Mean, that's just it. Like constantly being around them all the mm -hmm. time. It's like, like you're saying, if you want them to come to know Jesus Christ, that's one thing. But if you're constantly around them in every situation, it's like Lot. Lot, when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was supposed to be a man of God, but what happened? He was in there, and that wickedness vexed go to second, him. Go to second, uh, Timothy. Second Peter, second chapter Peter. Uh, 6. Yeah. Good point. That's a good example. Uh, okay, second Peter. Back of the Bible, second Peter. First. Uh, it's second Peter. There's not a second Peter 6. I don't do that. Second Peter two and six. 
All right. Um, but yeah, Second Peter 2 and verse 6. And delivered just Lot, vexed with his filthy, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing how and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't just a bad people, but it's where sodomy comes from. And these people were, they had it in them. It was the old men and it was the young men. And that spirit was so great in them. That spirit of homosexuality was so great in them that when uh, when the angels of the Lord came to try and came to pull Lot out of there, they wanted them. There's that no, that word no again. Let's go to um, Genesis 18. Genesis 18 or Genesis 19? 19. Genesis 19. Thank you. Let's look at that real quick. So the Bible says, how can two walk together mm -hmm. except they be agreed? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, 19 and verse 4. Alright, so the angels are actually in Lot's house at this time. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, come past the house round about, old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto them, Where are the men which, thou, which came unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. That know them doesn't mean... We're going to invite you over for dinner. We're going to shake your hand. That no them meant that they wanted to sodomize those men. That's what that no meant. It's the same no. The Hebrew word yada. Yes. It's Y-A-D-A. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the same no in Genesis uh, 2. Genesis 2 when it said Adam knew his wife. Oh, for Genesis 4. Genesis 4, yeah. Adam knew his, his wife, wife and yeah. she conceived. Right. Yeah. So it's that same no. It's that same intimacy or relationship there. So we can go back to Psalm 101. But yeah, it's just like it's like having a friendship with somebody. If that person's doing these wicked things and we keep them in our company, that wickedness is going to rub, rub off on us as the nature that Sodom had on Lot and his family. All right, so um, verse 6. Psalm 101 and verse 6. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within mine house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. And why this is, is because if we have wickedness, or if we have worker, wicked workers, or if we have liars, all of that in the midst of a ministry or in a church, all it does is it brings division. All it does is it brings strife. All it does is bring a headache. It brings frustration. And there's like a heavy weight that's just like, you almost feel like yourself, you're like you're loaded down because of this. And that's why we cannot be weary in well-doing, you know. But that's why he says here, I'm not going to have any of this in my house because if I know if I do then eventually he's going this way and then all of a sudden he starts going this way and this is David ruling the kingdom of Israel mm -hmm. so you know as a king he's saying what he wants and what he doesn't want around exactly the bad or whatever 
All right, so from here, let's go to Psalm 10 and verse uh, 1. All right, Psalm 10 and verse 1. Why, was, why standeth thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in this pride doeth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in there in the devices that they have um, imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. So again, here is this wickedness. And this is actually easy to see today. You know, it's interesting how it's like, we live in Portland, and you go downtown, and it is one of the most filthiest places in, on this earth. But you have all these businesses down there, and it's like, man, it's like, if people were really wanting to help people, there would not be all this homelessness downtown, or at least they would have a place to stay, or at least they would have some food. And I know people, they're homeless of their own accord. To me, that that matters very little anymore. It's just like, how can I give them the Lord Jesus Christ? How can I help them that they may come to know Him, that their lives can be cleaned up? But this is also the wickedness of this world that we live in today, that no one will help their fellow man. The wicked, through the pride of his covetousness, will not seek after God. God is not in all in his thoughts. And that's true. The wicked man won't seek after God. Why? The wickedness, the wicked man wants this world. He wants to advance in this world. He wants everything that this world has. You can't tell him about God. He doesn't need God. He's got everything in this life that he needs. And that's the wickedness of a man. But if, if people really had God in their life, they would understand that it's not just about me and my needs. It's not about what I've got going on. It's about the needs of others. It's like, how can I help other people out? How can I show them the love of Jesus Christ? Verse 5. His ways are also grievous. Thy judgments are, by, are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. So, a wicked person also doesn't think that they're going to be judged by the Lord. A wicked person doesn't think that, you know, the Lord can uh, punish them. And it actually says in Hebrews 12... That the Lord will uh, chastise those that are of His, those that are of His sons. So it's like, you know, um, having children. A good parent does what? They discipline their child. They make sure that their child does what they're supposed to. It's like, okay, it's time to do your homework. You need to sit down and do your homework. Uh, you need to do the dishes tonight. You need to take out the trash tonight. You need to clean the room. And it's not that you're doing these things to, to overbear on your kids, but it's about teaching them responsibility. And the Lord does the same thing to those that are of his children. It's like, okay, well, you're coming along and you're getting a little bit stronger, so I'm going to show you a little bit of leeway. But the closer we get to the Lord and we know better and we go off and do sin anyways, when he spanks our bottoms, it's not that he's trying to be hard on us. It's because he doesn't want us to continue to go astray. He wants, us to, he wants to bring us back under him so that we may serve him. That's what it's about. But the wicked people... Because they feel like that they're not getting chastised by the Lord. The Lord ain't going to do nothing to me. The Lord doesn't have to do anything to you. He may even allow that person to stay in their own wickedness. Why is that? 
Because on the day of judgment, that's when things are going to happen for that person. All right, verse 6. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in, ad in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and, is, and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages, in the secret place doth he murder the innocent. His eye is privily set against the poor. Now why does it mean here he's murdering the innocent? Could be telling lies. Could be causing people to go astray. You know, uh, just that kind of thing in and of itself. Sitting in secret places, you know. People walk by, coming out of church or a Bible study, whatever. Might pull them aside. Hey, come here, let me talk to you a second. So, what did your minister talk to, talk to you about tonight? Oh man, spiritual warfare, getting on fire for Jesus Christ and going out there and talking about people. What does that person say? Oh, oh yeah, that, that's cool. So, uh, what about uh, this loving one another and everything like that? Oh yeah, let me show you how we love one another. But, but little by little, that person is not interested in what he's saying. All he's interested in is getting that person away from Jesus Christ and back into the world. That's all that. That's how you can murder somebody. All right, uh, verse 8, or no, verse 9. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. It's interesting how it says here, he croucheth and humbleth himself. There's a difference between being humble and acting like you're being humble. Some people may do that. Some people may very well act like, and you can tell when they're acting like it because they say the word humble more than they should. Oh, I'm so humble. I'm going to humble myself. Let me humble myself before you. It's like, dude, you ain't got to say it a hundred times. I get it. You want to be humble. You know? But this is how we can... But it's like, if we're not strong in the Word, we can get caught off guard because we may not always be able to discern when someone is actually being humble and when they're talking about being humble. And that is something very important to catch up on. Because many people today will do things out of emotions instead of out of the will of God. And that, that's, you know, I've seen it happen. This is not a, a word built on emotions. This is a word built upon Jesus Christ and doing His will. That's right. Verse 11, He saith in his heart, God hath forgotten, he hideth his face, he will never see it. That's one of the dumbest things people could say is right there, is that God won't see it when he sees everything <laughs> Verse 12, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. Wherefore doth the wicked contend God? He has said in his heart, Thou, shalt, thou wilt not requite it. Thou hast seen it, for thou beholdest mischief and spite. To requite it at thy hand, the poor committeth himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Set it, seek out the wickedness till thou find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his hand, out of his land. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause their eye, thine ear to hear. To judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more 
oppress. So what's saying here is, is that, you know, again, some people may stay in their wickedness, but he's saying here is that the people that really are humble before the Lord, the Lord, he, he has that long-suffering for everybody. And he instills that long-suffering in us, that even though people blaspheme and even though people talk about Jesus Christ, or they may even talk about us because Jesus Christ being in us, show them long-suffering. It's not saying don't rebuke that spirit out. It's not saying don't talk to them. But don't go against that person. Don't get caught up into their wickedness. Don't act like they act. There still has to be a separation there and showing them the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, don't get me wrong. Does it irk me at times that people blaspheme my God? Absolutely. Because I know that he's the only way, the truth, and the life. And they're saying what they're saying out of ignorance because they don't know him. But I'm not to act as they act. I'm not to go behind their back and talk about them. Like, well, he said this and he did that. No. It's to still love them and that they may come to know Jesus Christ. And if they don't, that's on them. But we got to tell them the truth. All right, from here, let's go to John 16 and 1. John 16 and verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that they doeth God's service. Again, this is the religious people going against those that truly believe in Jesus Christ. Because when that time comes, you go in there and say, Hey, you know what, this is what the Bible really says about it. They're either going to change or they're going to kick you out. One of the two. Why? Because my pastor didn't say it. And he's yeah. an educated man. So, but that's what's going to happen. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. You got a lot of churches today. Again, I'm not saying all, but there's a lot of churches today. The Holy Ghost has not been in there since the building was put up. And... They're thinking that they have Jesus Christ, but they it's like they go over the same scripture every year. From January to December, they do the same Bible studies. Occasionally they'll mix it up to kind of like, you know, catch you off guard. But it's generally the same things that they talk about, you know. And they have not known the Father, nor they've known Jesus Christ. Because if they had of, this, I'm telling you here, this word, and we can go over scripture every. We can go over scripture every Bible study, and it's like you get something new from it every time. Mm -hmm. Every time. I mean, we go over Genesis three almost every single Bible study. Something new comes out. Something yeah. new comes out, or we go over John three. Something new comes out. We go over other scriptures. Something new comes out. Why? Because it always should be new. It should always be fresh. This word is something we can chew on all the time. The Lord may bring new light to us. Like I want you to talk about this today. It's like Lord, we just went over it. You know, last week, why do you want this? And you you bring it, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't see. Where did that come from? You mm -hmm. know? And it's just, it's having that in knowing. But if the Holy Ghost is not in a place, they're not, they're not bringing you in that you may come to know Him or know Jesus Christ. Again, they're bringing you in so you can pay their paycheck, so you can pay the building, and that's it. Verse 4, These things 
Have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them? And these things I said not to you in the beginning because I was with you. So he's letting them know. While he's with them, he has them. He has, they have Jesus Christ in the flesh. So he was letting, and he was building them up. They were growing in grace the entire time that the disciples were with Jesus Christ. They were growing in grace, and they were coming to do and to know the will of the Lord. So that way, when he would be crucified on the cross and the Holy Spirit would be drawn in them, they wouldn't be offended by it. They were going to actually see that for themselves because the time would come that they would have to do it. The time would come when Jesus Christ would ascend back into heaven. Now it's on them to make that choice to walk even as he walked, as it says in 1 John 2 and 6. Alright, verse 5. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you ask me whither goest thou. But because I said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. So right here, they didn't really have an understanding of what was going to happen with Jesus Christ. They would come to know, but right now they're like, well, because he's leaving, now, we're, now they were upset. They were, they were hurt inside. Verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter shall, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So he's letting, him, he's letting them know, if I don't leave, the Holy Ghost isn't going to come. He needs to ascend back into heaven so he can impart his spirit unto them. True. Verse 8. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe, me, believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because of the prince of this world is judged. That's talking about Satan right there. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. And that is true for them, and that's also true for us in our lives. The Lord wants to work many things in our life, but if we're not willing to give up certain sin, if we're not willing to give up certain people that don't want to come to know the Lord, but yet we think we can be friends with them, it's like we can't bear those things that He wants to do in us because it would be too difficult for us to do that. It would be too difficult for us to leave those people and to follow after Him. That's why He does not split us from our free will. He will not split us from our friends. He will not split us from those things that we want to do until we want to give them up and follow after Him. I'm telling you... <clears throat> When we go out on Wednesday nights, the people that just blaspheme God and say all sorts of different things or they just pass by and don't want to come to know Him, it's like if our feelings were not sanctified, it would just blow our minds. It's every few minutes. Yeah. You know, someone insulted Jesus Christ or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. I mean, and it's just, this is, this is what it's about too. It's like they had to be sanctified before this could happen. Verse 13, how be it, when he, uh, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whoso, but who, whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, talking about the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus Christ, for he shall receive of mine, and he shall shew it unto you. All things that the Father ha hath are mine. Therefore I said, said I, that he that shall take of mine, 
and shall shew it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. So this is talking about that the disciples were, are, or were going to be with Jesus Christ in glory one day after they had fulfilled his will. And they did. Alright, um, oh, sorry, first, okay, let's go to, um, Mark 4 and verse 26, I was supposed to go there. Hold where you are, let's go to Mark 4 and 26. When are you going back to John 16? Uh, it's going to be a revelation after that. <laughs> but okay. it, it, we will get back there. All right, Mark 4. Yeah, Mark 4 and 26. <clears throat> All right. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up, he knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn is the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately he putteth it into the sickle, because the harvest is come. Okay, so um let's together for verse twelve. Okay. Um, sorry, guys. So what this is saying here is that um, okay, when the when the sickle is put in, I'm gonna read verse 29 again. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth it into the sickle, because the harvest is come. Now, this fruit is when it is grown. There are there is the fruit of the spirit. All right, that we may have those good works that we planted. So, um, it's just like if we were to put a seed into the ground. Let's say, say we want to plant something. It doesn't grow up right away. It takes time. It actually takes time for that seed to grow. It can take weeks. It can take months, depending on what it is, right? But there are actually many different components that go to that seed. you got to have the proper soil, first of all. You have to have the sun. You have to have water. You actually have to have like certain nutrients that that plant can get. But if any one of these things are taken away, or even the right temperature, like if it's too cold, or if it's too hot outside, what happens? It either won't grow, or it'll grow into kind of a f deformed plant. You know, it won't grow into what it potentially could be. So that is why the same thing goes with. You know, when we're talking to people about um, when we're talking to people about the Lord, the long suffering actually in that comes because if He tells us to um, to continue with somebody for a space, then we can't expect everyone is going to come to know Jesus Christ right away. You know, like I said, with my own salvation, it's been four years, but there was it's been a growing process in that four year time period. And so that's just, again, that's the long-suffering of Jesus Christ. But when it's talking about this sickle, there's actually, this is actually referring to, if we go to Revelation uh, 14 
and 14. Let's go there real quick. Revelation 14 and 14. Sorry, I was supposed to read this earlier. Revelation 14 and 14. Read this real quick. A few verses. But Revelation 14 and 14 is actually... There's going to be two different harvest times that comes at the end of time. Alright. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon... And upon the cloud one that sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for, the, for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Okay, so what that is saying there is that this reaping is that everyone that believes in Jesus Christ is going to be caught up. Alright, this is not a rapture. This is after the persecution and everything like that comes. This is right before Jesus Christ. This is when Jesus Christ comes back. Alright. Alright, verse 17. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for the grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city. And the blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse's bridle, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. So that right there is the second judgment. Well, not the second judgment, but it, it, well, you can call it that. But these are the people that didn't want to believe in Jesus Christ. These are the people that blasphemed God in the end of times. They didn't want to come to know Him. They said, we don't need God. And these are the wicked people of the earth, people that spat upon God and spat upon his people. This is what that's talking about. Because it says in, I believe it's First and Second Thessalonians, that the children of God won't see his wrath. Now, God's wrath and, his persecu and persecution that's already on the earth, that's two different things. The wrath of God is going to come upon the children of disobedience. And when this happens right here, man, if you think about a horse's bridle, you think about how tall a horse is and the blood of those people are going to come up to a horse's bridle. That's like what? Almost seven feet. Because, you know, a good Mustang or a good tall horse, they're about eight feet, nine feet tall. And so if you think about it, that's a lot of blood. That means that, as it says in Matthew 7 and 14, that that broad gate in the, in the, the way of many, those people are going to go, you know. Broad is the gate that leadeth to, unto destruction, and many there be that find it. So it's, gonna, it's not going to be this salvation that we're in. It's not going to be many people. It's going to be a few people because there are a few people that really want to come to know Jesus Christ, really want to have that faith in their life. So it's saying right here, this is a lot of people that are not going to believe in Him. All right, so let's go back to John 16 and verse 17. And we'll finish this up here. 
Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall see, not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go unto the Father. And they said, Therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while, we cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, do ye inquire among yourselves of what I said a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. So what it's saying here is, is that they were going to weep over Jesus Christ's death, but the world was going to lament, or the, Lord, the world was going to rejoice. Why? Because they thought, that they were getting rid of Jesus Christ. So they were joyful over that, not realizing that that didn't happen. And that's that's the very same thing that's going on today, people not believing in Jesus Christ. But their joy is going to be turned into sorrow when they stand before him, realizing, man, we messed up. We should have believed in him, but at that time it's going to be too late. Verse 21, A woman, when she, hath, when she is travail, hath sorrow. Because her hour is come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. So if we ask the Lord for a pure heart, or if we ask the Lord, you know, Lord, what more for the kingdom of heaven can I do? Make me a faithful servant unto you. If we do these things out of a pure heart, the Lord's going to answer those prayers because he's going to see that, you know what, we really want to serve him and follow after him. And he may even pour out blessings upon us we weren't even thinking about because we weren't thinking about them. You know, all we were concerned about is going forward into the kingdom of heaven that other people may be saved. Verse 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall shew you plainly of the Father. And at that day ye shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and ye have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and come and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go unto the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou comest from the Father. Jesus said unto them, Do ye believe? Do ye now believe? What was he doing here? He was asking them this, because the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross, what happened? They all fled. They all ran away. Peter was the only one that stayed around, but he denied Jesus Christ three times. But that denial did not stay because Jesus Christ, after he was raised again, got Peter to repent of that. He had to repent of it three different times. So, well, at that time he repented of it. But he was doing that. The Lord wanted that out of him. 
So that way he could put the Holy Spirit in him after he would ascend up into heaven. Verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So even when we have tribulation in this world, we've got to know and we've got to believe that Jesus Christ overcame all and everything that we endure in this flesh. And he expects us to do the same thing. We can in Jesus Christ, not in our own power, not in our own might, but in him we can. All right, so from here, let's go to Titus 1 and 10. <clears throat> All right, Titus one two. For there, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceitful and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Those are the religious people whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of, them, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. I actually looked at the word Cretan, and it comes from the word Crete, which means fleshy. So that's actually kind of interesting that you know, we have this fleshly nature that constantly is going against the spirit for uh, author or for rulership of this body. So, if we have that fleshly nature constantly in us, then we're not going to want to serve the Lord. And that's why it must be crucified. And I'm not telling anyone what to do, but I know that the best way to overcome the flesh is through prayer and fasting. That is, it, it really does kill it off. Uh, I'm not as emotional when I fast, and all I want to do is tell people about Jesus Christ, and I could care less what they say. You know, it actually makes me stronger when I do fast, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Mm. Verse 13, This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them shortly, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men, that they turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their minds and conscience is defiled. So when someone is truly of a pure nature and of a pure heart, it just you can just tell. You know, there's like everything that they do, they do out of the love of Jesus Christ. And they think, and that's actually kind of hard for us to, to think at times. Like, man, how can I have a pure heart when it's like, I don't feel like I do, or I don't feel like I'm doing things out of right of righteousness. You know, pray for that pureness. Pray that the Lord, He can put His pureness into us if we really want it. So that way we think less about ourselves and more about other people. Like, man, how can I help this person out? All right, verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work uh, reprobate. So, these might even be people that say that they know God. So, but they don't show for it. It's just like a speech. It's like, oh yeah, I know God. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I believe in him and everything. And but when it comes down to it, you don't see them anywhere. When it comes to uh, fellowship with Jesus Christ, when it comes to going out and evangelizing, when it comes to talking about spiritual warfare, everything like that, they are nowhere to be found. And why is that? Because they truly don't mean it. There is true wickedness in their hearts. They have a heart of stone. They they really don't want to follow Jesus Christ. All they want to do is have that facade of it. Okay. And let's see, from here, let's go to, um, let's go to Mark 4 and 30. Mark 4 and 30, we're just about done. Mark 4 and 30. And he said, Where unto you shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds be in the earth. So a mustard seed is a very, 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 very tiny seed. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great, branch, great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all the things to his disciples. So, this mustard seed, when it is planted in our lives, that we have the faith of Jesus Christ in us, at times it may not seem like anything's happening. At times it may seem, man, the word of God is just falling on deaf ears. And it's like you might even pray, Lord, can you just show me that your word is spreading? Can you at least show me that someone is actually listening? And, you know, having that long suffering, it does take time. It does take time for the, the word of the Lord to spread. But when he does give us that confirmation, it's going to come at a time we won't expect it. You know, it will come at a time that the Lord say, you know, I'm going to show you that you are, and it's not that we are boasting in ourselves in any way, shape, or form. It is only in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when that seed finally blossoms, and that mustard seed finally shoots forth, and you, we hear that all these different people are coming to know about Jesus Christ, whether they believe in Him or not, that's that mustard seed. But at first it starts out small, and it grows, and it grows greater, and it grows greater, and it grows greater. And it's like not everyone we preach to or talk to is going to come to know Jesus Christ. He didn't say everyone would. But he said, go out and to preach unto every creature. Why? Because this is his testimony that people will come to know him. If they don't come to know him, that's going to be on them on the judgment day. But we don't know who is and who isn't. But that mustard seed is having the faith to go out and to do his will anyway so the gospel will spread. Yes, that's right, because you're going to find people that, you know, they're, I've, hey, I've seen it where you got people that will praise the Lord. I mean, you would swear, man, this person is for real. Mm -hmm. 
and you get out there in the street and you find out they ain't nothing like what they said. But mm-hmm. then you've got people that may seem like, man, this person is not really into it. They'll get out there and represent the Lord for real. Yeah. So you really don't know who is who just by appearance. Some people will sow this in their heart and really have it in them. And you got other people, it's just a show. Mm-hmm. It's nothing more than that. She's right. Exactly. But that mustard seed is when it grows. It's, it's like you're saying, it's who it really falls on. It's who it really has in them that they will go tell other people. And that's what the growth is. Mm-hmm. You know, is that, that that word of mouth goes to them and then it spreads to others and it spreads to others. All right, so let's go to First Peter 4 and then we're going to close out. It's at the back of the Bible. First Peter 4 and verse 1. Just before Revelation and John. First Peter 4 and verse 1. For as much then... As Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he hath suffered in the flesh that he, that he sees from sin. That flesh had to be crucified on the cross. So that way we would come to know him. And these things that he suffered, the reason why he's saying that is because the closer we come to know Jesus Christ, and the closer that we are like him, and the people in the world that don't want to come to know him, they're going to persecute us for it. Because they don't want to change. They don't want that light shining in their lives. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh. To the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life, many su- suffice. For the time past of our lives, many suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, reveling, banqueting. An abominable idolatry. So everything in the world that we could do in the world, that's what it's talking about here. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them in the same excess right, speaking evil of you. I can testify to that, man. When I was going to the bar and I was drinking and I was having a great old time, I had bar friends, I had all those friends. What happened when I came to know Jesus Christ? Those friends stayed at the bar. Those friends went away. They found it strange that, man, she used to do all this and now she's not doing it anymore. What's wrong with her? You know, that's because the love of Jesus Christ, when it really grows in us, you don't want to do those things anymore. And people will speak evil of you for it. They will think you are crazy. Verse 5, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. That's the living and the dead. For this, for, for this cause... Was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So what is that dead that's dead knowing Jesus Christ, that's living in ignorance, that's dead to the spirit, that's dead to the Holy Ghost, that's dead to everything that Jesus Christ is. But what is that men of the flesh? That's us. That was the disciples. So that way they could die out to this world, and come to, know, come to know Jesus Christ and live in His Spirit. Verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, means like awake, and watch unto prayer. 
And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Man, charity is just like having that pure love of Jesus Christ in us that we would want to tell others. That's what charity really is. It's like you see someone that's without, and it's like you want to help that person. But at the same time, not just helping them with like money or food, but giving them the truth that, hey, Jesus Christ can do all these things for you. All right, verse 9. Use, hosp use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the same ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom we praise, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So whatever things Jesus Christ has given to us, whatever ability is, whether it is to minister, whether, whether it's to evangelize, whether it's to sing, whether it's to write songs, whether whatever it is, we shouldn't use that as an occasion to the flesh. We shouldn't use that to lift up ourselves. It is only to the glory of Jesus Christ. That is what that is saying right here. We don't minister so that we can get money out of it. We don't minister so that we may get the glory. It is only for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. So we shouldn't be surprised when anyone, you know, says you crazy for loving Jesus Christ or knowing him. That should not surprise us one bit. Why? Scripture said it was going to happen. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part it is evil spoken of, but on your part it, he is glorified. Why? Because Jesus Christ is turning the world right side up. This is an upside down world right now in everything that's in it. But people that don't want to change, people that want to stay a homosexual, even though you've told them of how they can change and they can come to know Jesus Christ and they can forgive that person that did that to them when they were a kid, they want to stay that way, they're going to speak evil of you. When, uh, I don't know, people just want to stay ignorant and not come to know the Lord, even though you're trying to tell them about Him and how He really can live in them, they're going to speak evil of you. That's just go ahead. But like she said, when it says don't don't think of it strange in verse twelve, you know, like she's talking about. I've heard you guys even say too, man. Every time y'all get ready to come to study, it just seems like something happens, like you know, schedules or whatever goes on. That's exactly the way it is. It's mm -hmm. like it's not a strange thing that's happening. Something is trying to stop you, you know, from coming. And so if you tell that to people in the world, they'll think, oh, yeah, right, man. You, you're crazy. You're superstitious, but you're not. Yeah. You're saying, don't think it's strange. These things will happen. Exactly. All right, verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's affairs. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on, his, on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So, what church people have got to understand, what every ministry has got to understand, is that that judgment 
is going to start here and there first. Why? Because these are supposed to be the houses of God. This is supposed to be a place where the truth is being taught. And if it's not being taught, they're leading thousands upon thousands of people astray. Just like that guy had in the vision. When, when Jesus Christ told that woman, I'm not judging you for what you put on Facebook. I'm judging you because it led 130,000 people astray. 300,000. 300,000 yeah. people astray just by one comment. And that's the thing, same thing that's happening Sundays after Sundays after Sundays. Yeah, I was saying you guys that actually, that YouTube clip, I mean, video of the guy. Mm -hmm. It was a story he was telling about he asked the Lord what would heaven be like. And I mean, from everything this guy said, the Lord sent him a vision, mm -hmm. I know it's true. I mean, it's it's pretty bizarre. Yeah. yeah. But these things are going to happen. It's like that judgment is going to come to the house, houses of God first. Why? Because every idle word is going to be brought unto judgment. Everything that we say to people. So we got to know that when we're talking to people about God, we better be accurate with what we say, or that is going to be counted against us as well. All right, verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? They, wherefore, let them that suffer according to the law of God commit to keeping of their own of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. So, when, it said, when I say tonight, for all men have not faith, it's true. Not all men have faith. Because if we're not willing to live according to this Scripture, and it is a process... It is a growing in grace. But there's going to come a time where it's like, you know what, we can't stay babes forever. You know, a baby, she doesn't stay a baby forever. Eventually she grows up into a beautiful woman. A little boy grows up into a handsome young man. But we don't stay babies forever. But if we want to stay having that mentality that we don't want the responsibility of what it takes to grow with Jesus Christ, Man, his word is very, very clear about what's going to happen when we stand before him one day. When you look at all those celebrities, man, people that gave their lives to the world, mm -hmm. when the devil is through with them, he chews them up, spits them out. That's it. You know, it's like when he's done with them, I mean, look at Michael Jackson. You look at everybody that went down through history, everything yep. they did. They had their high point, and all of a sudden, they're like driven crazy and out of it. It's like when the mm -hmm. devil is done with you, man, he's just like away with you. Yeah, and they had all these materialistic things in the world. They had all this money. They had all the fame and all the fortune. And what happened? Yeah, you got people in Hollywood now telling you, man, fame is not what you think mm -hmm. it is. Like, stay away from it if you can. Exactly. You can look a lot of those videos up. Yeah, but it's just like even though they say that, they still need Jesus Christ. Even though they're telling people, hey, don't follow me, don't idolize me. Are they, are they still giving people... They're not giving people the truth in Jesus Christ because they themselves don't want it. And so they're still, they still want their money. They may tell people, don't follow after me, but they're still, they're still not willing to let go of that grip of their own money. So even still, Satan, what's Satan going to do? Man, it's just, it's just something to think about that our faith in the Lord has got to be secure. So in all things, we follow and we serve after Him. So that's, that was tonight's lesson. Awesome. She didn't even know she was teaching tonight. That was a last-minute thing. So you always got to stay instant, be ready, do what you're supposed to do. That's right. I'll pray out. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for another day. We thank you for another day not promised to us. And, Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions. 
and those things in place available between you and us. I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that you've given me with my brother and sisters, Lord, that we've got to learn of your word and partake in the things that you've called us to do. Lord, I'm just asking in the future that this be not the last time we meet, because we know, Lord, from this point on, the devil is going to try and snare everyone into not receiving the truth. But I pray, Lord, that you keep your people in the armor, Lord, that they may follow you, that they understand that the devil is like an adversary, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I pray, Lord, that we be strong enough, that we pursue you, that you keep your hands on every single believer and unbeliever until the time that they might know, that they may mature fully in Jesus Christ and go forward doing what you said. Lord, I pray for our families, our friends, those who couldn't make it today, those who are caught up in so many things, Lord. We know for everyone that we've ever asked to come, they've always been faced with challenges and things afterwards. So, Lord, I just pray that you release your warring angels, that you open a way, Lord, that your people might be saved, that this is a real warfare, Lord, claiming the lives of those who don't know you and those who are, Lord, are caught in a serious spiritual battle, that this thing is far more serious, Lord, than it ever would, when we will ever comprehend with the carnal mind, that we don't even know, Lord, if we were to die tonight, where would we be tomorrow? So we should treat every day as our last, Lord. But we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you for being an awesome God. You thank, we thank you for even in our ignorance, Lord, you put up with us. And that you suffer long because you want your people to come to you and to forsake the world. And it's not about the world, Lord. It's about loving the world. It's about having our priorities in order. Who is first in our lives, Lord, is what matters most to you. Well, I pray from this point on that the Holy Ghost be released, that he showers us in his presence and in his spirit, that we may understand what this whole thing is about. Lord, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, you are just, and you are true, and you are worthy of all praises. Lord, we pray what we ask, Lord, that you do it for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' mighty and holy name we pray. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.